It is time to open up the Peacock and Williamson mailbag live. We're talking the London Jaguars getting back-to-back <laughs> games overseas, some schedule leaks, player development timelines, and have we seen the end of Hall of Fame running backs? All that and more coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. That's where most of the questions are coming from on today's program. You can also drop a question in for our weekly mailbags on our new YouTube channel. Make, your, make sure you're subscribed up there. Of course, you can find us on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, Matt, I do want to start here with uh, some schedule leaks here. and One of the most interesting right. ones, and, and I really like this for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, and it is back-to-back games in London. And when you're the Jaguars and you're a, sm- you're a small market team, like try to build that fan base however you can. You have a really young, marketable star quarterback, right? On the on the cusp of superstardom potentially. And if you can get, it's going to be hard for you to sell, you know, a million. A million Trevor Lawrence jerseys outside of Duval County, but man, you could sell millions of Trevor Lawrence jerseys. You know, uh, in uh, I don't even know what county London is in, but yeah, over there, right? right, right, right you know, yeah. so make your franchise global if you're going to be small market as compared to other uh, other franchises here in the states. So I love it for the Jaguars and, and lean into it if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the way I understood this went down was when. Overseas is becoming more and more regular, particularly to London, particularly to Europe, of course. The Jags were probably the worst franchise in the league. They're always picking in the top five, Bortles, you know. I mean, we we know how bad things went. And relatively speaking to the rest of the league, they're an expansion team, sort of. I mean, a lot of our listeners don't remember when that was, but there's not generations and generations of Jags fans, you know, like in my hometown, your hometown. So attendance was bad you know it, it was a tough sell so i think they came to an agreement or frankly i think you know jacksonville volunteered you know hey we'll give up a home game to go over and this reminds me of like the 40s or 50s like when uh thanksgiving football came around the reason dallas and detroit play every thanksgiving is back when nobody wanted it they volunteered and said we'll do it we'll have a home game we'd rather be home eating turkey with our friends and TV wasn't as big back then, but the league has rewarded them since, and now it's a tradition. Could be the same type of thing for the Jags, you know? We're the home team in this area of Europe, and we're going to stay there, and it's going to become an advantage, and because we kind of gave something up to do it years ago. And and Josh asks even further, is it competitive advantage for them to be able to stay and do two in a row? And you've got teams with that long travel coming in and out on, on back-to-back weeks. So I would I would I think it's a massive the back the second half of the back-to-back is a massive uh win for the Jaguars there from a competitive advantage in that week specifically. Yeah. I mean, so I, I always bring it back to personal experience. I never traveled with the team overseas or anything like that. But my co-host, Dale Lawley, with the Steelers, has been covering the Steelers for 30-some years and has done some 
abroad games. And he's t- he talks about this every year when we talk about away games. He's like, whoever travels over there first, I'm probably going to bet on because it's a ridiculous adjustment. You know, your body does not adjust in time. And if you get a whole week of being over there and totally adjusted and you understand it feels like breakfast at breakfast time and feels like kickoff at kickoff time, they should, I mean, I don't know if I can bet that game right now or not, but the second quote London, you know, home game for the Jags, uh, they should be favored by a lot. I don't even know who they play. The, the, the Jaguars should be a, a, a pretty darn good football team too. And, and continuing to get better and better. And with a young star quarterback, um, I just like the direction the Jacksonville Jaguars are going this year. And it took them a little bit to get going last year, mm-hmm. uh, but then you started to see it. And Jacksonville Jaguars fans, fans should be excited, those in Duval County and those abroad as well. So, um, you know, interesting the way to, to build that franchise. And if you were the, I don't know, the Steelers or the 49ers, right? Or sure. if you're the Dallas Cowboys, Whoever, right. you don't need those overseas games. And a lot of times no. it's probably hurting you. But, you know. It's a detriment. You'd rather have the home game. You want a big fan base, right? And for a team like the Jaguars, it makes all the sense in the world. So I love it for them. Yeah, and now they've got a little bit of a foothold there. You know, so good for them. There's, I think they're starting to reap the benefits of it. You know, where they were in, I don't say a downtrodden position, but they mm. were. You know, if a team was going to move or leave their town, it seemed like Jacksonville was the first one on the list. And not only for a team just to be playing there, but mm-hmm. to have. Uh, a, a player that you're you buy your kid their jersey and then yeah, right. cultivating generations of fans right and that's what trevor lawrence and the jaguars could do say i'm a young boy who's 10 years old in london and i don't watch nfl but i go to that game and there's boy there's a lot of jags jerseys here they seem like the home team and who's this guy with the long blonde hair that looks different than everybody else and there's pictures right. of him everywhere you know like he's marketable as could be and then you get to watch your team maybe make the playoffs. Right, right. Watch they don't stick. TV in the middle of the night, maybe. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the kids stay up and watch the playoff games is a big question, too. But. Yeah. But I bet Lawrence jerseys are going to be selling overseas. Absolutely. So uh, fascinating. Uh, there's tons of uh, angles with the uh, with the NFL schedule drop. The official entire schedule drop is happening tomorrow. So uh, tomorrow morning we will do our pod and and cover everything schedule wise but uh i did want to talk about that and there were some questions in the hopper about uh the jacksonville jaguars and their back-to-back london games which is super interesting and by the way matt looking like there might be a very interesting matchup for us to kick off the season so i've heard week one uh for those of you who don't know and welcome to the program this is one of your first times listening to peacock and williamson uh, Matt Williamson covers the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Steelers area. I cover the 49ers here in the Bay Area, host of Locked On 49ers. And I think those two teams might be uh, might be might be going head to head in week one, which will be a lot of fun for us here. Maybe we'll have to travel for that one. Well, know. we know your guys are coming here at some point during the year. That's for sure. That's set in stone. We know that. And on my Steeler podcast, we often look at the, the, the schedule and I think there's things to look at on, in schedules in terms of like you hate to play in Denver the first month of the year because no one has their wind. You hate to play in Miami late in the year. You don't want to go to Buffalo in December. Well, I looked at the Niner game going, boy, that's going to be one of the hardest games on the schedule. I hope they play them early because maybe they don't know who the heck the quarterback is at that point. <laughs> yeah, you'd much rather get, get, get Darnold than like a, a more seasoned Trey Lance or a healthy right. Brock Purdy if you're the Steelers. And, or and Purdy without any, you know, preseason action. That's his first one thrown in there, you know, or you know, something like that. So from, from my sources, if it is indeed week one, 49ers at Steelers, I think that's a, a good draw for oh, the baby. Steelers and maybe a good 
road trip for myself and a lot of 49ers fans to go. Yeah, I got a spare bedroom if you want. Hey, there we go. (laughs) Is that for just me or for everybody listening? Well, (laughs) the the Williamson Hotel is open. Yeah, come on by. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Fantastic. Just you. Let's see. Uh, Getting back into the mailbag here. What do we think about Traylon Burks? Uh, Josh has the question here. Yeah. Does Traylon Burks have the potential to be a true number one wide receiver, or do the Titans need someone else to fill the A.J. Brown hole in their roster? So I urge everyone to spend a couple bucks a month and go sign up for reception perception that Matt Harmon does. And I've mentioned it on here many times. And if you're a real wide receiver nerd or fantasy, it'll pay off for you. If that's not your bag, don't. But anyway, I I often, I I read everything he puts out and he just put out profiles, coincidentally, of all the prominent second year receivers, you know, Alave, Wilson, Pickens, et cetera, et cetera. And I just finished reading them yesterday, actually. And I thought he summarized Burks very well in that some of his references were, this is a talented player that was used in a very strange manner at Arkansas. I mean, a lot of backfield carries, ends around, get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage, break a tackle. He was the entire offense. And if you recall, he didn't test great. Everyone thought he'd be a test great tester, and he wasn't. And Matt mentioned this, and I agree. He doesn't look like a great athlete on the field. However, I use this reference as well, and it applies to Sky more with the, uh, the the Chiefs as well, because Matt kind of references. So this past summer, we took the kids to Turks and Caicos, which was the nicest place we've ever been, with especially with children. And we get there, we get off the plane, I go get a, the rental car, and I'm like, oh, didn't think of this, but the, the steering wheel's on the wrong side. All right, that'll be a challenge, but I, I can handle it. Pulling out, I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to drive on the left side of the road. Well, for the first two or three days driving around Turks and Caicos, I put my family in grave danger 30 times, you know, like (laughs) roundabouts, I went the wrong way, you know, just pulling directly into traffic. Well, I think that's Burks and Sky Moore's rookies. I mean, what they were asked to do in college versus what they were asked to do in their rookie year, night and day. I mean, the way Harmon was describing it is like, you go to a new town, you have a new job, you have a new you don't know anything around you don't have gps like so i think there's promise for those guys and i'm lumping them together because their jobs change dramatically from college i and there's kind of two parts to this question because does Traylon perks have burks have the potential to be a true number one wide receiver yeah i mean he was drafted high for a reason and yeah uh, he's a he's a unique player and right. maybe not a true number one number one but i think he could become a true number one i'm not going to put i'm not going to say he can't become a true number one mm-hmm. Uh, or do they need someone else to fill the AJ Brown hole? Now, can he can he be AJ Brown level? Can he fill the AJ Brown hole? Those are two different questions, and he can be a really good starting wide receiver and still not fill that AJ Brown hole. And I, I would add more players, so I, yeah, I, yeah. I would continue to fill that hole if I was the Titans. He's not an advanced route runner. I mean, the chances of him developing into a great route runner are probably slim. He has a long way to go. So I know someone asked us about Calvin Ridley, so he's on my mind. If they had a Calvin Ridley type out route technician opposite him, I think that would do wonders for the Titans. But we know that's a big work in progress. That's not going to happen overnight. Speaking of Calvin Ridley, what do we expect from him coming up this year? Have we seen the yeah. end of NFL Hall of Fame running backs with the way running back value has plummeted uh, in the recent decade? And player development timelines. How soon is too soon 
to know if one of your 2023 draft picks was a bust. All that and more coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson, which is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Looking for that delicious snack? I know you are, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, do you? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever, which is Built. If you're like me, uh, you're trying to make healthier snack choices. You don't want to compromise on taste, though. You want to feel good about the snacks that you're getting, and you want to feel satisfied when you do reach for that snack. So that's why Built Bars and Built Puffs are perfect for you. They are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you wouldn't think they're good for you at all. Uh, uh, you got to try these unbelievable flavors, and most Built Bars covered in 100% real chocolate as well, which really sets it off, and it is good real chocolate not some chocolatey brown colored substance it's actual chocolate and i don't know how they do it but they keep the macros right where you need them with flavors like churro peanut butter puff is the newest at built.com cookies and cream cookie dough chunk puff but only 130 calories in most built bars only four grams of sugar in most built bars but a whopping 17 grams of protein and not only can you find all the flavors at Built.com, you can find them at your local Walmart and Sam's Club as well. Four bar boxes in the pharmacy section at your nearest Walmart. Flavors like cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, coconut puff. And at Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13 bar box of hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. And then thank us later. And of course, all the flavors and varieties and new flavors all the time at Built.com. All right. Shout out to everybody jumping in in the live chat here on the new Peacock and Williamson YouTube channel. Make, your, make sure you're subscribed up there. Hit the thumbs up, the like button. Make sure you uh, hit the notification bell as well so you know when we do go live and when we drop new podcasts. And uh, I know this is a quote-unquote Twitter Thursday, but feel free to drop your questions in the chat as well, talking NFL football and post-draft stuff. Um, I want to get to the player development timeline really quick here okay? as it pertains to the NFL draft and – uh, what player? What we can expect from players, and and how long it takes certain players to become either a bust or what you expect them to be in their NFL career. And this is from Michael, uh, and he says, which positions take the longest or shortest amount of seasons to determine if the draft pick was a boom or a bust? I mean, in terms of this is sort of fantasy relevant. I think everyone knows tight ends take a lot longer than backs and receivers. You know, they're. I remember when third year breakout used to be a thing for wide receivers. Well, now yeah. if it takes you two years to break out. No, it's the second. Better be a second year breakout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a that 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 is gone by the wayside. But tight ends are a notorious slow starting position, and usually they hit their stride around twenty seven years old, which is when running backs are basically starting to get washed up. You know, so you have to be relevant of that. And so maybe you don't draft one in the first round. You grab one off his first contract, like Jacksonville did with Evan Ingram, you know, and then that's when he starts to hit his stride. I definitely think technique-based positions, especially O-line, take time. You know, I mean, none of these o some of these O-linemen have never even put their hand in the dirt, you know, in, in college or run blocked, you know. So you're asking them to drive on the left side of the road on the wrong side of the, you know, like we just talked about. I think linebacker more and more, is it, it, we've talked in, in depth about first round linebacker bus. I think it's just such a difficult mental position now because guys like your boy Shanny just manipulate them to no end and takes a long time. No doubt. Uh, I would say clearly running backs is the fastest position. If you, Agreed. if you can't see a hole and hit it, 
from almost day one, like there's some things that might take a little time, pass protection. Uh, you know, but if you're just as a pure runner, if you can't find a hole and hit it, it's probably not going to happen for you in the NFL. And Steven in the chat here says LT had over 300 carries and 50 catches as a rookie. Does anyone do that anymore? Nobody does it ever. Not only as a rookie, they don't get 300 carries anymore. Bijan might've something to say about it. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's a big number though. That's crazy. Uh, Yes. But in, and that kind of goes into our next topic about the, the Hall of Fame running back, because you don't lean on running backs like you used to, but still running backs, you, sh- you can tell early in their career if they're going to be great or not. Quarterbacks, obviously, great. it takes a little bit of time. Uh, I would say offensive linemen, you know, pass rushers, just because developing that technique and counter moves, you know, you can show flashes early in your career, but it usually takes to year two, three before you start to see, you know, uh, the, the, the real player you're going to get from a, from a pass rusher perspective. Uh, from an offensive lineman, for sure. Mm-hmm. I would say kickers. I mean, can you think of a wow. guy, think of a kicker that was good in your in your lifetime? You're thinking of a guy who was in his 30s and maybe 40s. No, um, yeah, exactly. Like I remember like, McPherson for the Bengals had a nice rookie year, and then he yeah. was okay in year two. You know, right. like yeah. maybe he just got hot for two months when everybody was paying attention. You, you know what I mean? It's, and there's it's rare, yeah. But you're uh, right; the good ones are old. Yes, yes. <laughs> they're old. So, um, yeah, so it you know, you should never jump too soon and call a guy a bust after a rookie year. But if you haven't seen something after three years, I mean, it's it's time. And, and that that work. timeline has sped up, too. And I think part of it is um, how much guys play when they're younger. They're more prepared coming into the league now than they used to be, even though some of the, the schemes are, are are different. Just as far as playing your position, you know more, you know more terminology, you know more things. And then um, from a, a finances standpoint, you know, just the dollars of the game. You used to, I mean, you know, r- rookie contracts are so important now. They're, you're not mm-hmm. going to get re-signed. If, if someone's not ready to pay you for your rookie contract, well, you're a journeyman. And, and that's the end of your, you know, that's the end of you really getting a strong foothold in the NFL after three years. They've made those decisions. So I obviously have very strong Steeler roots and I've brought this up many times. I'm turning 50 next year and I'm going to see three coaches in my lifetime, which is bonkers. But I do think one of the biggest mistakes the NFL makes is way too much turnover in the front office and coaching staff that we're having half of the offensive coordinators got fired this year. You know what I mean? Like half, half as many play callers. But what I'm going with this is I think there's a lot of value to, Belichick remembers two years ago when they drafted this dude in the fifth round, knowing he was not going to help this year. We knew exactly what he was coming in. He's raw as the day is long. But if he would have got fired and a new coach comes in, he's like, this guy stinks. You know, why'd they draft this guy? Get him out. You know, if you're stability, you have a plan with every player and you have some patience. Maybe that player's not progressing as you want. But some of them, you're like, I need the second round pick to play now, and he can't, and we're in trouble. Or I got the six rounder to develop, and he's developing great, but it's going to be a year. And just talking about quarterbacks, too, when you right. think back to 2005, when Aaron Rodgers was drafted, oh, he sat for three years, no big deal. We got a plan. He's going to develop, and then he's going to take over, and he's going to play. Well, they did the same thing the same franchise did with Jordan Love, right? And it's the same group that drafted him. But after three years, it's like, oh, my God, this what, what's going on? We don't even know what this guy is. Trey Lance after yeah, a couple yeah. of years, even though the plan was to have him sit for one year. So he gets hurt, one injury, and all of a sudden, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe you've got to trade him. Don't know what to do with this guy. He, has, yeah. he, he hasn't shown us anything yet for two years. 
So the timelines are just so sped up compared to what they used to be, which is somewhat unfair for some of the players, especially need some time and need some playing time. And then you think of a guy like uh, Geno Smith, who Great point. W- was a bust for the Jets, but now his career was not a bust because now he's made good with a different franchise and he's gotten paid a little bit. And so it's like, if you look at Geno Smith's career, you're like, good job, man. He had a nice long, what was he drafted? 2012? He had a 10-year plus. Yeah, I think he was NFL the luck career. draft. Luck RG3 draft. Yeah, so, uh, and he wasn't a first-round pick, but, you know, Second. He, he, was, he was definitely a bust for the team that drafted him. But he made good. And so his career is not a bust, but he still was kind of a bust. So, you know, you still do have time to come out of that tailspin if it doesn't happen early for you. But that is also a rarity. I mean, if you even go back in the way back machine, like Rich Gannon, you know, late in his career, really steps up. Or some guys that were drafted super high, like Vinny Testaverde and Jim Plunkett. I mean, these are like Heisman first overall guys that go to awful situations. But when they're 30... They're pretty darn good. You know, Kerry Collins, you know. Steve Young is another one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. He, you know, flamed out. He was in the uh, the what the LA Express of the mm-hmm. USFL. Buccaneers didn't work. Ends up with the 49ers backing up Steve Young. And he's practically 30 by the time he got a shot and had a Hall of Fame career still. And uh, I mean, again, more Steeler talk. But this was a million years ago. But when Terry Bradshaw got drafted, he was worse than Zach Wilson for three years. I mean, there's no way that that would have happened today. The end goes on to win four Super Bowls and go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, he was dreadful. It's pretty unbelievable. All right. Yeah. Uh, more getting to the I've chat. A little Hall bit of Fame here. running back chat here, too. Yeah, this is interesting. Have we seen the yeah. end of Hall of Fame running backs? Speaking of not only usage, but just how they are valued around the league and the proliferation of the committee back next. I do want to thank everybody for jumping in the live chat here. And thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to the everydayers. Tomorrow, we're breaking down all of the official NFL schedule news from the official schedule drop. So stay tuned there. And of course, continuing our deep dives into the division and teams NFL drafts, finishing up the AFC with the West next week, as well as getting into the NFC divisions right here on Peacock and Williamson. Okay, question from Twitter, Matt. Have we seen the end of Hall of Fame running backs? So I'm not putting words in our Twitter question's mouth, but I promise this is where it came from because I listened to this episode yesterday of the Athletics podcast with Robert Mays and Nate Tyson. It's a great podcast. They do great work. Good stuff. And somebody asked them in their mailbag the same question. And when I I heard the question, I'm like, it's kind of a dumb question. We've seen great backs lately. And they talked it through, and I'm not putting – I hate to put words in other people's mouths because I'd be unhappy if they did the same for me. But they kind of came to the conclusion that maybe we are going to see the end of Hall of Fame running backs. And I'm sitting there thinking – you know, they said things like, well, maybe if Derrick Henry has two more really good years, he's in. And I'm sitting there thinking, Henry's in. I mean, that's a transcendent player that was a foundation of his team. He's in. So knowing that we were going to get this question, I'm like – Let's go look at the all-time rushing leaders. And I'm not going to include Adrian Peterson in this because I'm calling him retired. And if he is not retired, he's going to run for 100 more yards in his career. He's done. And I would consider Adrian Peterson uh, still – because this, this is a new thing. He's also a different era. I, I That's what I was going to say. The Peterson like... Lynch era is when analytics start showing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're pre-analytics to me. And then is... everybody since is – we're not going to feed Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch 8,000 yeah. times, you know, 
And they're in. They're old school guys in, in this conversation. So it might not shock you, but the two leading rushers that are active are Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. And what shocked me, though, is they are 42nd and 43rd all time in rushing yards. There's 41 dudes that have run for more yards than Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, guys like Amon Green and Willis McGahee are right above them. So by that logic, do they really have Hall of Fame credentials? You know, because Zeke's basically done. Henry might get us another two, 3,000 more yards. Maybe. Who knows? And then the next active guy is Mark Ingram, Melvin Gordon. And then you get some of the younger dudes like Nick Chubb. Latavius Murray is on the list. It's like the fifth leading rusher active. Guys that have no chance to go in the Hall of Fame like Murray. However, this is a long-winded answer. I think when you look at any all-time great or who's the best ever, Gretzky versus Jordan versus Babe Ruth versus Montana, blah, 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 blah. I think the only way to logically do it is compare the player to his era. And I always use the Babe Ruth and Jim Brown conversation is Jim Brown, folks, was the equivalent of today of being a 315-pound running back. He was as big as his lineman that runs like a 4-2 and is the most agile and brutal and competitive player on the field. You know, like, that's what he would be if he was today. Like, something my son made in Madden. And Babe Ruth hit more home runs than, like, every team in the league. (laughs) You know, like, that to me is being the best in your era. So, to me, Henry, McCaffrey, those are the best guys at running back in their era and should be Hall of Famers. But... France, you know, organizations like the Hall of Fame can be a little slow to adjust because they're going to say Henry only has 8,300 yards. He's the 42, 42nd leading rusher ever. I can't put him in the Hall of Fame. But it should correct itself and be like McCaffrey was a dominant player for eight to 10 years. He's a Hall of Fame. Yeah. So McCaffrey's got one of the better shots. And yeah. again, uh, staying healthy is important because he's still in his 20s. You know, can he get into the 30s and make a career out of continuing to play, continue to stay healthy, continue to put up the receiving stats? And then by the time, you know, those decisions are being made in the Hall of Fame, which is, you know, five, 10 years from now. There's going to be probably somewhat of a lull because you're just not going to be the counting stats are not going to. There might not They're be, not gonna be there. They're not, there might not be another running back in NFL history that has as many rushing yards as Frank Gore, right? Oh, right. I because don't think there will. I mean, he's here at the top. so long. And so you're competing, and, and he's like a, a borderline Hall of Fame guy, I think. So, and he's going to get in because he has so many right. rushing yards, but he was never like the greatest at the time. He was among the better backs, but never like the guy. I'm pulling um, it up. He has 1,600 yards exactly in 15 seasons. No one's going to run 15 years in a row. No. Never. <laughs> Oh, no. And so uh, you're not going to stack up against Hall of Famers. So if you're like, hey, is this guy a Hall of Famer? Let's pull up the other Hall of Famers. They're right. forever now. Running backs are going to fall short unless there's no something doubt. special that we don't see coming. And that's possible. Um, and so it's going to have to be you're, there's going to be it's it's going to have to be both. OK, there's some guys like Adrian Peterson and some guys that are going to start to get in. And then after in about five years and be like, oh, there's no more Hall of Fame running. Backs. There's going to be a drama. and then the committee is going to have to rethink the way they vote on these things and look at them versus their peers in the passing game and not just rushing yards and, right. and start to and so i think there will be a gap will they come back and start getting voted in again with the mccaffrey's and stuff uh, you know in the gap between so. whenever adrian peterson's career ended and when mccaffrey's career ends kind of like there's going to be a, a lull 
in Hall of Famers, and that's still and McCaffrey still has you know Derrick Henry. You just mentioned Zeke Elliott. These guys have a lot of work to do still, even to be Hall of Famers, in my yeah. opinion. But they have the best chance now, and hardly anybody else has any chance. Uh, agreed, and I do think the bar or the standards will have to change. I mean, you and I are old enough to remember. Oh, you draft Eric Dickerson third overall. You give him the ball a, a thousand times and go from there. You know, like you look at these all-time rushing leaders, they are bell cows. You know I mean? And and even the Tomlinsons and Falks that are way ahead of their time as receivers, they're way at the top of the list. They're both top 12 in rushing yards ever. You know, I mean, so the Barry Sanders, Emmett's number one, of course. Like those days are gone. I mean, I think that's that's for sure. Good point by Steven in the chat. Henry needs another 2,500 rushing yards to pass work done. Right. Right. And work done is not even sniffing the Hall of Fame. Right. And you're not thinking of him as an all-time great, really good player. Right. But Henry is a much better case if he never plays today than work done, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. Because of how good he was. Impact on the game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Uh, let's finish this up with Wood Gravy. Good question here in the chat. Says, rank the quarterbacks that showed small sample size of goodish play. Lawrence, Geno Smith. Um, Brock Purdy, Justin Fields. We've got uh, Giants QB that he can't recall. <laughs> Daniel Jones, I assume. Yeah. yeah. I think he's talking about Daniel Jones there. Yeah, small sample of goodish play. Uh, rank the Who's rank Kenny the small... Stills. Kenny Stills is a receiver. I think he means somebody else. <laughs> I'm not sure who he's even talking about is that there. Kenny Pickett or oh, Kenny Pickett, maybe is maybe. Uh, but I get the question from Woodgrave. We appreciate it. The small, the quarterbacks we've seen a small sample of pretty good play from. Rank those quarterbacks. I th if we're talking right now today or rest of career, it might change things. But even right now today, I think I would rank them Trevor Lawrence first, Justin Fields two, and then I think we'd have to have some tough conversations. I think Lawrence is in a different category. Yeah. I think he's arrived. You know, Fields is close to make or break time, and I lean that he's going to make, not break. Mm -hmm. um, Gino was mentioned, and we talked about him earlier. Tremendous story. They trust him. Locker room leader. I'm a little scared of the Seahawks approach on, on Gino that they're just kind of all in. And really the last month or two of the season, he was okay. Not great. You know, like could he turn into a pumpkin? It's it's definitely possible or just yeah. like, Oh cool. You know, he's a good quarterback. He's, he's fine, but we're, Oh shoot. We need to get better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be what, what happens with the, um, you know, and then he goes back to being a backup. Mm -hmm. that, that's possible. Or maybe, you know, he just keeps lighting it up like he did for the, the first half of the season. last year. And um, but I would put him back as far as if I'm betting on just this year and right. going forward, obviously, because of his age, I'm, 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 I'm taking Brock Purdy over him. I'm taking Trevor Lawrence, obviously, yeah. Justin Fields. Uh, an interesting one, though, is because I still am not a huge believer in Daniel Jones, but I am a believer right. in Brian Dable. So I, I wonder how much more is there. That's an interesting one. What about Tua? Where would you rank him with, with these quarterbacks? Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I say this a lot, especially young quarterbacks and more so landing spots, that I care where they land than who they are. Um, and I think Jones in New York, because of Dayball, because of going and getting Waller and Hyatt and Michael Schmidt and 8,000 slot receivers – He's in a position now to succeed, you know, where he really wasn't up till now. I never would have taken him with a fifth overall pick. I don't know that I would give him this contract, but I bet he's going to be a serviceable starter, which sounds like a, a negative connotation. It isn't. There's only like 16 or 17 of them in the world. I think he'll be one of them, but never a top 10 guy. 
So where does that leave you? That's a whole different conversation. Um, Tua, to me, is out of the woods, especially when you talk about landing spots, scheme. I mean, his numbers and his play was really, really good. Now, I think he might benefit from those around him more than anyone that's not a 49er. <laughs> but him, it's just durability. And I don't know how to comment on that. Wow. Brock Purdy disrespect. I didn't expect that to happen in the 9 a.m. hour for me on the West Coast. They're the next opponent, man. I'm going to be rough on him from now until opening day, apparently. Here's a good one then, Matt. They're the enemy. What order do you draft these quarterbacks in right now? You're drafting them for your brand new football franchise. You are the GM of. Okay. Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy, Daniel Jones, and I'll throw Geno Smith in there too. Why not? Geno's last. Yeah. Are we accounting for age? Yeah, because you're drafting them for your new franchise yeah, yeah, going yeah. forward. Yeah. So, like, um, really the question I want to get to is: Is Kenny? You're really digging for first and last quarterbacks in the draft last year. Kenny, let, okay, let's simplify it more. Kenny Pickett versus Brock Purdy. Who we just throw the gauntlet down now for Week One yeah, battle. I'd rather pick it by a mile, to be honest with you. And I'm trying to be as impartial as possible. I just think that if you threw Pickett in that Niner offense last year, it would have been even better. And I think Purdy is too limited for me. I love his what's that test that he did great on because that shows up on the field. You know, yeah, what I mean, the, yeah, it does show up on the field. I just think this is sort of a side note. So I heard this the other day. Jimmy Garoppolo has started two games in his career without Mike Shanahan. Now, do we know Garoppolo's even good? Like, <laughs> without Kyle Shanahan. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without Kyle. I said Mike. Right, right. So for a second, I was like, wait, was Mike on the Patriots staff at some point? <laughs> so he has two career starts non Shanny. I just feel like anyone in Shanny's scheme is good. He's that good a coach. It's a compliment and a backhanded compliment. Yes, yes. Uh, there is something about I, I, Jimmy Garoppolo could be in this conversation too about you know mm -hmm. how do you how do you rank these quarterbacks? Um, there's something with the Shanahan offense that it really showed up with Jimmy Garoppolo with the mistakes and the bad plays, which are the the quick interceptions. Yeah, and I've seen Purdy make that interception. I've seen Trey Lance make that interception, and it's it's almost as much a Kyle Shanahan interception as I think it was a Jimmy Garoppolo interception. So I can't That's wait to saying. see Jimmy because Jimmy did look good in those two starts in the however many few games he played with the. With I mean, the, Bill Belichick was kind of ready to go with Jimmy Garoppolo over. Yeah, Jimmy he's not a nobody, somebody. right? Yeah. So, um, and he's back with Josh McDaniels now. So I'm fascinated to see what that looks like with Jimmy Garoppolo. But there's something that with Kyle Shanahan, he's such a good offensive coordinator and play designer, but he's also kind of playing quarterback himself. That's the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah, like these guys are joysticks. Which is good and bad because there's he's in your ear and he's like, here's the play call, blah, 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 a million word play call. And then he says, look for this or this. And you know the thing that it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. And for the quarterback, that's where they're going. But if that's not there, oh, linebacker interception. And I, it's just it's the Fair same right. type of interception that I've seen over and over over the course of six years with the 49ers that's a little bit on Kyle. And so it's not the freest offense for quarterbacks. And I wonder if Jimmy, we might see him be a little bit more free now with the Raiders back with, you know, um, Josh McDaniels and just the way that, Maybe. okay, I'm kind of in the shotgun a little more, not as much turning my back to the defense and then hitting that thing that's supposed to be there. A little bit free, one, two, he's open, boom, throw it. 
So I wonder if we might see a little bit of that from from Jimmy and it might look a little different. So, uh, you know, and these players, these coaches aren't perfect, but as easy as it is sometimes for to be a Kyle Shanahan quarterback, Kyle's playing quarterback. And I think that's what helped Brock Purdy so much. After one of those games he played last year, the question was after the game, Brock, why are you playing so well? This is crazy. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I just do what the coach tells me to do. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Shanahan was like, yes, that's my guy. That is my guy. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's paint by numbers quarterback. It's it's not a Rembrandt or, you know, a Monet or I don't know anything about art, of course. But, I mean, it's paint by numbers I'm simplifying it, but a first grader can do it. I put blue in number two and I put it's, red in number three and, you know, it's, right. It's difficult, but easy because you're playing against the defense more than you're playing your own offense. You're not right. like, I'm right. going to go make a play, see who's open and make this big thing. It's like, well, the defense's rules are this, and we're going to use those rules against them and make this throw in this pocket. And I love the point you made about all the Shanahan quarterbacks have made that same interception because I used to say, Jimmy goes linebacker blind. You know, like hits that guy right in the numbers <laughs> and yeah, so. because that's where he's supposed to go to the football. And once in a while, the defense makes a defensive call better than your offensive call. Well, they know what you're trying a- to do and they jump right, in right. that robber. And so they jump into a hole. They show you the hole because like they know yeah. that you're trying to do the thing and then they get in there. They're getting paid too. you know. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, that being said, wrong answer from the rare wrong answer from Matt Williamson earlier. Picking any picket <laughs> over the all right. Fantastic stuff. Thanks, everybody, for jumping into the live chat. We're doing the weekly mailbag, so get involved and uh, jump in with us here on the YouTube channel. Make sure, you're, make sure you're subscribed up. Hit the like button, the notification, and all that. And, of course, we're coming at you every day on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Matt and I back tomorrow talking schedule release right here. Peacock and Williamson. <laughs>